Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Okay, Laura, thank you for joining us today. Uh, great to have you. Um, probably kind of kick off, let's, let's uh, kind of take a little bit of a, a big view. Branding. What, why is branding important for, uh, well, not just agents and mortgage brokers, but you know, why is it important for that, that business owner, that small business owner or, or professional service person? Yeah, I think it's it's my opinion just from uh, my studies as well as kind of being in the field now for eight years in the real estate field is that everyone kind of has a brand anyways. Your brand really just is your reputation. So that's what people are saying about you uh, when you're not in the room. And so people are already talking about you, um, you know, and and it could be good. It could, it could be bad. But I think personal branding and like the act of really branding yourself is being more cognizant, uh, branding yourself with a bit more intent. Um, not to say that that means it's only you're only showcasing like all the glossy good stuff about you, but just being cognizant and aware of what you're putting out in the world, what people are saying about you. And I think when it comes to small business owners and real estate agents who I kind of grew into that that group, along with mortgage brokers, is that. A lot of us, you know, we choose brokerages based on the name. And it, this changed like many, many, many years ago when we developed the Remax model where it wasn't, um, you know, prior to that, it was your splits were a lot different. Maybe they were 50-50 with the brokerage and the brokerage was really branding you. But when it started becoming like 90-10 splits, the onus was really on the individual to start branding themselves. And I think that kind of spearheaded this whole idea of, of well, what is my brand? like unattached from from the brokerage. And I think when people look at their companies, even if it's a small business, like, a, you know, I'm looking at like a boutique grocery store across the street right now. It's great to have a person who's top of the funnel. And what I mean by that is being top of the funnel allows you to speak about lots of different topics. It allows you to truly be yourself, to be authentic. And I'm kind of throwing that word around because it's the buzzword of the year, but it, and it really allows you to speak on a lot of different topics, but that particular boutique grocery store, if they had an Instagram page or a blog, they should really only be speaking about what they do, which is being a boutique grocery store. And it has to have a certain level of professionalism. But I think what's so great is that people actually connect with other people. So 88% of people actually buy from the suggestions of other people. And so if you can kind of be that top of the funnel brand for your company, people will do that digital deep dive on you and start to find out, oh, you're, you're an owner of a, a little supermarket shop. And I really like you. I kind of jive with you. I would like to give you my money or I would like to have a shared, a shared experience with you. And they'll kind of do that deep dive to really figure out what it is you do. And so I think personal branding allows you to really take your life in many different directions. It opens up a lot of doors. And, and do you have a suggestion as to what are the kind of first things that somebody should focus on? I mean, you said earlier, and I, I completely agree, is everybody already has a brand. So you, you may as well take control of it versus let people assume things. Uh, but what are the first few things that people should be aware of to kind of have that foundation 
Yeah, the first kind of step that I, I tell people to do is just do a quick survey with your friends and your family. A lot of times people will say, well, I don't know what my personal brand is. Like, I'm just being myself, which is great. You should be being yourself. But your people generally view other people in a very, like, confined set of verbs, let's call it. Um, you know, we're all somewhere in the gray, right? Like none of us are black or white. It's somewhere in the middle on every single topic on every type of personality trait. But when you start to think of your friends, you kind of start, us as humans, we'd like to group people as like, you're either this or you're this. And we just kind of do that naturally. And so a great place to start is to go to your friends and family and say, can you guys give me three to five words that you would describe me as? And what you'll probably find is if you pull 10 people, you'll start to see the same things kind of coming up, which probably means that 80% of the time you exhibit those types of traits. And that's kind of a great place to start. It's, and it's not to say like, well, if someone says you're competitive and you kind of view that as a negative word, that's not to say, let's throw that, that out the window. I don't want to be competitive. It's let's use this, let's lean into our personalities that come naturally to us and use that to our strength. So I think that's kind of a good place to start for most people. And, and should an agent or a business owner take it a stage further and ask and poll clients or customers or potential That customers? would actually be incredible. Like if you already have a client base, you may as well start asking them because they already know you, they've worked with you. My only concern with clients is that my guess is most realtors put on their real estate agent hat as soon as they're around clients, right? They're, they're not necessarily the same person that if I had a drink with them at the bar um, as a friend, they're not necessarily showcasing their client that because us as realtors, we've been kind of taught like put on the suit, make sure you look like you're successful, make sure you look like you deserve their their business. And so we kind of like, you know, stiffen up around clients. And so I fear a little bit in asking clients is that they don't know who you truly, truly are at your core. And if you're really getting started, ideally, you want your personal brand to match as closely to who you actually are than to say, well, this is what I aspire to be. Or, you know, my clients think that I'm Mr. Professional, but really on the weekends, you're like a big goofball. That to me just doesn't make sense. And so I would only caution people if they are asking their clients to make sure that they're the clients who truly know them at a more personal level. And so what you're suggesting is that people take those personal um, attributes or adjectives and start to inject that into their business brand or the business persona that they're presenting. Exactly, exactly. I think, like I said, the closer you can get to who you truly are, the better. And what I think scares most people, in all honesty, Paul, is that they fear that the more they are themselves, the less people will like them. I think we're all kind of just those little high school kids still inside where we want to be liked by people. And we worry that the more we're ourselves, that we might start to repel some people. People might get the wrong idea of us. And as realtors, we're, we don't necessarily come from the mindset of principles of plenty. And small business owners are similar. You know, you're scratching and clawing for every single deal for the most part. And so you never want to drop any deal strictly because you were the funny guy and they didn't think that was appropriate for selling homes. But what's amazing is that when you do become, quote unquote, the funny guy, for example, is that you start to attract people who really actually like that about you. And so at some point you start to realize it doesn't matter if I've lost some people because of this personality trait. What matters is that I attracted the people who like me for who I am. And now I get to do business just as I am. Right. I, I'm just thinking of a, a realtor who you probably know. Young guy. He does really funny videos. Um, Matt Leonetti. Matt. 
Yes, Natalie <laughs> that's it. I know him well. I I had him on my podcast and he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's uh, he's a classic example, I would say, of what you're kind of saying is because for some people that would not be somebody they want to do business with because it's not. Yeah. Well, you got to think people are selling like people's homes are their largest assets for the most part, unless you like own a yacht or a plane. Right. And so properties mean a lot to people. And the concern is that if I'm not Mr. Professional, that means I can't do a good job selling your house. What I think was so interesting, what Matt said, and it's a great point, your viewers and listeners should check him out for sure, is we asked him, do you lose potential clients because you're putting out this this type of persona and, and quite frankly, really being himself? And he said, maybe I really wouldn't know. And I thought Uh. that was such an incredible answer because it sorts people from the, from the get. So if people are searching for realtors online and they check him out and they're like, this guy is like not my cup of tea. I would never, never use him to sell my house. Great. They're not calling him for the meeting anyway. And so he's now pre-qualified people. So the people who are coming in who are saying, I'd like to do a Zoom meeting or meet you in person or have a phone call, those people already know him and like him and trust him. And so it's kind of pre-screened people, which actually allows your job to be a lot easier. And you end up finding that you're surrounding yourself more with like fans and people who like you than people who just assume you're like a certain type of, of real estate agent. Right. And you, you kind of touched on it earlier. I, I think we've seen it over the last probably five, 10 years is agent signs is probably the best example of a presentation of their brand uh, because that's mm-hmm. the thing we all see how much it's gone from the brokerage or the, uh, the Remax logo or something. And now it's really a small part of uh, what's presented, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's like in the small text on, on the bottom, because the, the great thing about personal brands is if you move brokerage to brokerage, you take that brand with you. And the same goes for businesses, right? Like let's say, so I'm a real estate agent today, but I've recently opened up a media company. But the great thing about having a personal brand is people were attracted to me. They're going to follow along on my journey in life and they're fans and they want to support me versus I've branded my company. And now when I leave, the company stands on its own, which is great. But what happens to me? No one knows who I am. And I still have other aspirations and things I want to do. You know, people don't necessarily stay in the same careers very long anymore. My dad, for example, he was at Bank of Montreal since he was like a teenager in his early 20s and he he worked up the ranks. He was there his entire career. I've already had like six careers in in 15 years. And so it's 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 important to make sure that you're top of of mind and then wherever you go you can still take that database or that fan base along with you. What do you, what do you suggest for somebody who works under a team? Um so the team is quite often the principal broker or agent. And then they have, they have a team working underneath them. But what does that what does that individual agent do about building their personal brand under somebody else's personal brand? Yeah, I think that 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 one is more complicated. So we have a team here. It's called REC Canada. But the reason why we named it REC Canada is because we wanted people to be able to brand it really whatever they wanted. So when I joined the team, I didn't really need to use REC Canada. I could just say Laura Stewart. I just happened to be under a team. And so it was never about a celebrity agent whose name is blasted on every single sign. It was about understanding that real estate agents, we are a bit entrepreneurial at heart. That's why we got into this business. 
we want to see our names on signs. We want to brand ourselves. Uh, again, that's why we got into this business. And I think some celebrity agents kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit and they don't necessarily attract the best of the best because they don't really allow people to be themselves. So if you are on a team already, you know, a lot of new people like to join teams. And I think that's a great idea in all honesty, because you don't really need to brand yourself right from the get. When you're new to real estate, you need to learn the tricks of the trade. You actually need to learn how to sell and get and get uh, leads and negotiate. And so learning from someone who is a true expert, I think will cut your learning curve in half. I mean, you can hit your head against the wall all you want doing it on your own. But I think there is room, a room and a place for being on a team, maybe for a short period of time where you can really, really learn. And hopefully, if you're lucky, the celebrity agent that you work for will kind of allow you to to grow your own business underneath them. And, and, and to your point, I guess that, you know, because the, the vast majority of real estate agents don't do hundreds of deals, do they? I mean, it's, there's a lot of part-time agents. So building the personal brand has a benefit because then they can turn it on or turn it off or put it yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah. I think the average, the average real estate agent on the Toronto real estate board does like less than three deals. It's like 2.8 deals or something like that. When you take the number of, of deals that happen and divided by the over 70,000 real estate agents that are on the board. And so, yeah, you're right. The majority of people are not doing that much business and there are part-timers and whatnot. Um, and I, you know, I think you're right. You can turn it on and off and you can be as present or not present on social media in terms of your content. Um, I just think for me personally, like the content game has been a complete game changer, um, no pun intended, because it's it's allowed me to now do something else that I actually think I'm more passionate about than being a real estate agent. And the only way I would have known that is by putting myself out there and by truly branding myself. And so it's opened up a lot of opportunity for me. That's a, that's a great segue because I was going to ask you about content creation. What are the kind of things that we should be thinking about when we're trying to present our personal brand? What medium should we be using and, and what sort of content should we be creating? Yeah, I speak with a lot of real estate agents who, you know, they'll come into my office and they'll say, I love Laura, what you're doing online and I want to do something similar. And I give them kind of all the secrets. Like, this is what we did here at my company. This is how we branded my business partner. This is how I'm currently on the journey of branding myself. And we kind of give them those, those tips. The hard part, I think, truly is in the execution. And so I think if you're brand new to content creation, I need you to really, really understand that you still have a full-time job. Your job is not to become an influencer where you wake up and that's all you do is content because the content creation is not going to necessarily get you business, at least at the start. It, it might take two, three years to really get that up and running. And so you still have a job to do. You still have to prospect. You still got to market. You still got to show clients around and actually do your business. And so make life easy on yourself. I always say it, you know, spend an hour a week doing one piece of macro content. So something like this, Paul, where you're doing like a podcast, maybe you're having a discussion with other um, industry professionals, or maybe you're doing it with a team member and you guys are talking about you know, the market outlook today. And then tomorrow you're speaking with a real estate lawyer who's going to talk about how to go over contracts. And then maybe next week you talk to uh, someone in insurance who needs to let you know like in different insurance policies and what you need to look for. And I think if you give that information away to your clients via email and say, look, I just had a great conversation with 
with a, a real estate lawyer, you should check it out. That is a great place to start because now that you have that, say, 20 to 40 minute piece of content, what you can now do is chop up that content into what we call micro content. Micro content can now be used on the social medias of the world. So you can post it on Instagram as a reel or on TikTok. Um, perhaps you can transcribe. So you, like there's easy, easy places for you to transcribe these types of videos. And then you can kind of turn that around and turn it into a blog, perhaps. And you can put that on LinkedIn. And so it's one piece of content that really kind of fulfills a lot of, uh, of different places for you so that you're omnipresent everywhere online. And, and you've, you've basically outlined that the macro piece of content should be video. Is that? Look, I think truly with like, not everyone likes the camera and I totally get it. I wasn't comfortable with the camera when I started either. I actually started with a blog. Like my kind of step into the content world was, was with a blog. I knew I was decent at writing and I, it didn't force me to put my voice and my face out there. But now that I've kind of watched that play out over the last two years, um, a blog doesn't allow for all the micro content to be created, right? So as we know, Instagram and TikTok, like you're not writing long form content like that. And so I think if you can get over it a little bit, your fear, put yourself on camera, that's probably the easiest way to go about it. But understand that it's okay that you're not good at the start. I wasn't good at the start. No one's good at the start. We all kind of start from somewhere and it's about putting those reps in. And over time, you'll start to see that there is a slow growth and it can be painful at times, at times, right? But you know, you really got to look at it like going to the gym. It's like, I wouldn't go to the gym once and expect there to be any type of result. I would have to go over the course of time to truly see that there's been progress. And the same thing is with content. So understand you're going to suck, but put it up there anyways. Uh, oftentimes you will say, well, you know, the lighting's not good, or I don't feel like I looked good today. It doesn't matter. No one's watching you anyways. You got <laughs> like 150 followers on TikTok. Stop stressing about it. Put up the video. And what you'll find is those 150 people were probably your friends and clients, family anyways. They want to see you succeed. And the other thing is people love to be on the journey with you. I mean, everyone loves like, a come up story where it's like, oh, I knew, you know, I knew Paul when he didn't have a podcast. People love to know people before they got big. Right. And so let people be kind of a fly on the wall and watching your experience, watching you grow. Um, they're going to be your cheerleaders. You find there's a lot less haters than you think. Right. I want to ask you a quick question. Are you struggling to find an agency that can build an awesome website without having to wait weeks or even months? Up in a day, you can build a high-impact website quickly and with minimal effort from you. They make the process easy and painless so you can focus on your business while they take care of building your business, the website it deserves. Check them out at www.upinaday.co. That's U-P-I-N-A-D-A-Y dot C-O. And schedule a call with them. Now, back to the show. And, and what do you advise for people to first step into video, any, any advice in kind of getting over that fear? I, I realize you say, just do it and put it out there, but is it, are there any kind of initial tips around how do you put together a piece of content or? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you have a camera on your phone. Don't go out and buy any fancy equipment because you're already setting yourself up for this being something bigger than it is. You don't need the lighting. 
just go stand by a window. Like I have a window here. I'm going to hold my camera up like this. I'm not going to script things. A lot of people say, well, let me write it down. Let me script it. I have done many, many presentations over the course of my schooling and my career. And every single time that I've scripted something, I've done way worse than when I just kind of spoke from the heart or spoke from the knowledge that I already have. The reason being is when you memorize something and you forget one word, it might be the smallest little word, like me saying smallest, it throws you off. And all of a sudden you're like, how do I get back on track? See, but right now I've made a lot of mistakes in our conversation today and I didn't stop and say, oh my God, we have to start again. I just kept going because it's conversational. And so I think scripting actually does you a bit of a disservice. If you can just go on, put the camera on and be confident in saying to yourself, Look, I'm talking about closing costs for a pre-construction condo. And I've done 150 of these deals in my lifetime. You should be confident because you know what you're talking about. No one else who's watching knows it better than you, who knows that content better than you. So it's about trying to have that confidence. And I know that that's hard because some people just say, well, Laura, I just don't have it. And so with those people, you know, it's look yourself in the mirror in the morning and tell yourself that you got this. Look yourself in the mirror right before you're going to do a recording. Maybe you're at the office and tell yourself, I can do this. Um, I know that sounds kind of fluffy and not very tactical, but I think most of the hiccups and the problems that hold people back is fear and lack of confidence. There's an insecurity that people are going to make fun of them or laugh at them or, I don't know, screenshot their picture and then showcase it to all their friends if they had a pimple on their head or something. I don't know what goes through people's heads. But well, actually, I do because it goes through my head as well. And so I think really you have to just start saying nice things to yourself and saying, like, you are capable, you are educated, you are knowledgeable um, and, and trying to work on the confidence component of it. Uh, I think that goes back to your point here about um, agents fearing that they need to be so professional. And yet, if they're more of themselves, that's going to come across and people are going to know, like and trust them better than if they're putting on that false persona. Yeah, it's actually incredible. Since I think COVID kind of helped the cause because people just started dressing more casually. But with people dressing more casually, we started to see people around the office who I'm like, oh, I didn't know that that's who you really were. Every time I saw you wearing a suit or every time I saw you wearing like a business outfit. And now I'm seeing you in the the clothes that you'd probably wear on the weekend. And it's really helped me get to know my colleagues just in the office a little bit better. So I can only imagine now that they're going out and doing meetings with their clients like that, that their clients start to say, oh, I can connect with this person. Or this seem, this person seems a lot more relatable to me than I would have thought had they shown up in the three-piece suit, right? Um, unless you love three-piece suit and that's who you truly are, in which case then wear the three-piece suit. Like who am I to tell you? I, I love getting dressed up. I love fashion. So I'm not sitting here telling people to wear t-shirts. and I, Like I just want you to be yourself. I want you to give yourself that permission to be yourself. Right. It reminds me of my brother uh, in corporate casual Fridays. He always used to dress up because he loved to dress up. So he would do the reverse and then. He does the opposite. And- I, I love that. When people do the opposite of what's going on, I think that's so great. So right now, as people are more, more casual, maybe now is an opportunity for you to, be, to stand out being the opposite. Um, I think whatever makes you comfortable and confident is what you should go with. Whatever makes you feel like if you got a deal done and you look at yourself in the mirror and can say, I did that business because of who I truly am, you're going to feel that much more proud of it than 
if you look yourself in the mirror and say, I did that business because I kind of manipulated this person and lied about who I really am and didn't really share anything about myself. I mean, it's a relationship business. So let's build real authentic relationships. Right. We meant to mention Matt earlier. Uh, Do you have other kind of examples or people that you kind of say, oh, yeah, they're doing something that's a little bit either opposite or different, or they're doing something that's really good that people should go take a look at and kind of study? Yeah, well, obviously my business partner, I mean, I think he's doing an incredible job. I've watched his content journey and oftentimes people will say, well, he's so, you know, he's a natural. He was not, he's not a natural. No one's natural at this. Like, we're not trying to be actors here. We're not like, it's not like he grew up on stage. He was a sports guy growing up. Um, But I watched him progress over time. And I've seen him go from the trying to be more polished type person to really um, embracing who he is, which is barely got through high school, which is grew up in a neighborhood that was a bit rough that he used to claim was one of the nice neighborhoods. Like he used to claim that he lived a bit south of where he lived. But now he says like, no, this is where I'm from. And he says it with a lot of pride. Um, And I think that's an incredible journey to watch. Um, Who else comes to mind? Um, We should and we should um, we should point out to people who are listening that may not know who your business partner is. Um, Oh, I didn't even say his name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jazz Tackar. So um, I guess if you wanted to take a look at what he's up to on Instagram, it would be at Jazz Tackar 13. Right. And he's doing some great, great stuff. Quite frankly, he's really inspired me to get out of my own way to start my creation journey as well. I was actually always more that kid who was putting their hand up for drama class and who always wanted to present in front of people. So it actually comes naturally to me. But what didn't come naturally was confidence. I thought, oh, my gosh, my hair looks greasy today. Oh, my gosh, I need to lose 10 pounds before I start being on camera. I had all that stuff in my head that I'm slowly working through. Um, where I don't think he had that quite as much as I did. Right. And yeah, just for the listeners, uh, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. We had Jazz on the show a few episodes ago, and he had he had a great um, kind of insight into going back to that, what you were saying about that macro piece of content and then chopping it up into micro. And he had a, a great uh, segment in the in the conversation he, that we had. He already stole on my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. We believe in the same concept because we've seen it work time and time again with a lot of real estate agents now. It's not just jazz that this has worked for. We've really taken the same strategy and applied it to 30 other real estate agents who who do business with my media company. And and it works. It just takes time. Yeah, I think it was funny. I was talking with a guest. uh, We were doing an interview yesterday and they said agents on the video side of things are probably three to five years ahead of real estate investors and and real estate investors on the direct marketing side are probably three mm-hmm. to five years ahead of agents and he said it's interesting oh, that's interesting it's, it's interesting like to that. watch yeah, yeah i think there's a lot of white space for uh investors people who are looking for joint venture partners and for opportunities to really think about branding uh, his or herself as as um, an investor online and what that looks like because you start to attract some amazing people in doing that. I, I work with a lot of real estate investors, probably 99% of, of all the transactions I do are with investors. And I've seen just a handful of them kind of dabble in it. Um, but they have great feedback. Like because there's so few people in the space, I think if you can get in on that early, it would be like as if you got on Instagram right when Instagram came out. I think there's so much white space there. Like you could really kind of clean up right now. So 
it's a big opportunity. Real estate agents, unfortunately, I feel like we're, if you're just getting started on this, you're a little bit behind on the, uh, like on the content creation journey. Having said that, like the good people at this and the people who are consistent and the people who are doing lots and lots of quantity will rise to the top no matter what, because people just drop the ball. And so I, you know, it's not to say you're too late to get started. It just means you're going to have a bit of an uphill battle, but it'll, it will be worth it in the end. I like what you said earlier. It's, it's uh, about your own, um, you called it a journey. And, and I think you also highlighted it's, you know, it's a two, three year thing. It's not a, I'm going to put out three videos and I'm going to get 27 listings next week. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I think for a lot of the agents that I speak to who are in their twenties, they think, they think three years means they're like old, you know, they're like, I don't have time for three years. Like my friends are buying cars and houses and I don't have anything. And they, they put this pressure on themselves to try to get things done sooner. I was 26 when I actually went back to school to do my MBA. And I remember counting like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be 29 when it's over. And I thought I, that's like, I may as well be dead. There's something about in your 20s, you think that, you know, people in their 30s are really, really old. Now that I'm in my later 30s, um, three years is like nothing because I know they're going to go by anyway. And I may as well be chipping away at something. I think where when you get started and want fast results, um, you might get some traction at the start, but you can't maintain it because, excuse me, you're going at the gates too far, uh, hard perhaps, or you make decisions that aren't good for the long run. So for example, if you're a real estate agent and you think, well, if I just put up highly filtered photos of myself, maybe they're a bit provocative, not, I'm not ripping on that. I'm just using them as an example, but that's not who you truly are. But you think, well, I get lots of likes every time I do that. But now you're branding yourself as that. And you really have to think long and hard about, is that the brand that I would be proud of going forward? And people, of course, change and mature and grow. But I think you just need to be a little bit more mindful about the content that you want to put out today and understand that you might not get all the likes today because you're not doing something that's trendy. But what you're really doing is saying, I'm capable of waiting this out and seeing what happens in three years. And I'm going to prove everyone who said that I should go down the trendy route. I'm going to prove them wrong. It's, it's healthy to have a couple of little chips on your shoulder, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> and what about the, the channels, uh, the social media channels? What are you seeing that are the ones that where people should be hanging out and, and putting out their content? Right now, I think TikTok has an incredible opportunity for people. It's, it's fast growing. Um, it's based off of the interest graph. Unlike Instagram, I think they're moving down that that route in their algorithms, but it's more based off of who follows you and who you follow. Where TikTok is, if you're putting out real estate content and people like real estate, they're going to put your content in front of their face no matter where they are. The concern there, of course, is that you do get a couple more people who are apt to message you really quickly about their anger about something that you said. And real estate can be a bit provocative, I guess, in that, in that sense. Um, uh, so I think TikTok is definitely a place to go YouTube shorts. So, um, like, which is really just taking your TikTok video, getting rid of the watermark and putting that on YouTube or putting it on YouTube first and, and, and also on TikTok. Um, unfortunately, you know, maybe when you were speaking to jazz, he probably had Instagram maybe at the top, if you asked him the same question. But right now, Instagram, there's, it's so saturated right now that it's really hard to get eyeballs. 
So you've kind of lost the opportunity to build momentum there. So I would focus on other platforms. But what's so interesting is that things kind of are cyclical. They come back around. So Facebook fan page right now is a great place to start building content. I know like some of your younger listeners are probably like, Facebook fan page. No one goes on Facebook. But because no one goes on Facebook, if you do produce content on Facebook, Facebook is like promoting you because they're they're rewarding you for helping to build awareness on the app. And so, you know, I imagine Instagram might come back around, but that's probably going to be a couple of years now. So you've kind of lost the belt. So I want people to stop focusing so much of their attention on on Instagram and really start playing around with these other platforms. Yeah, I've I've started playing around with with shorts for a couple of clients and I'm quite amazed at how, you know, the number of views in comparison. And I I guess we're all attention span challenged. So yeah. <laughs> I that's it. But you know what? That probably will be cyclical too. Maybe, maybe I'll send long form content. Like, look, I I watched um 19, uh 1883 is the new show that just came out. And I binge watched it over the course of like five days. And I watched, I don't know, eight episodes. So you people are willing to sit and watch things if the content is good. And so it'll be interesting to see if that kind of comes comes back around. But at the end of the day, I, I truly, truly believe that people should be everywhere. I wouldn't focus on any one pl- platform anyways, because you're giving too much power to that one platform. And if that platform changes the algorithm where there's too much attention and you're getting less eyeballs, less awareness, then now you're starting from scratch somewhere else. And so try to kind of spread your content across multiple platforms because you might be winning on one one day and then that comes down and then you win on another. I mean, it's like real estate investing. Like you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You want to kind of mitigate the risk by being everywhere. Right. What about uh, your own kind of preferences, a a personal brand? Is there a personal brand that you kind of admire or a person that you enjoy as a personal brand? I do. So I'm not going down the real estate route. I, I, I'm I'm going to bring up somebody else because I know we've been talking about real estate, but I think she's just so cool. So Trini Woodall is um, a British uh, small business owner. Well, maybe medium sized business owner. She owns, she used to be on TV shows like What Not to Wear, I think it was called. And then she's created like a makeup line. And so she's always talking about fashion and makeup. And I kind of just like that stuff. But what I think she does really, really well is she truly is herself. Like she's a disaster. Sometimes she comes on and her hair is like all over the place and she like comes really close to the camera and you can see all her wrinkles. She's in her 50s now. And she's just she's just herself. And she's screaming sometimes and crying sometimes. And I think it, I'm so impressed by someone that age who would you would think would be like, oh my gosh, I have to filter all this stuff and I don't want people to know how old I am. She's so proud and confident. And I want that for everybody who goes online. I want that for myself as well to to be that confident in myself and what I have to say. And perhaps that does come with age. So maybe, you know, we have that to look forward to. Um, but she's incredible. I think she's super, super cool. So you can check her out. And, and she does like all these things in her closet that raw with her phone. And it's just, it's really, really interesting. I'm going to have to check that one out. That's, uh, yeah. that's fun. Uh, what about a favorite business book or podcast? Oh man, um, probably my favorite. I'm gonna go down the book route. I I do like reading. Um, I probably don't read like business business books as much as I read, um, personal development type books. Um, probably my favorite book in that realm would be Success Principles by Jack Canfield. That it's a long read, 
but it was really my first kind of step into personal development. And I, I just think he did such a good job. I think one of the first chapters was explaining that everything's your fault. And once you kind of get over the, the blaming other people for your problems, it really allows you to have more control over your life. Um, and so even in my like darkest times, so I try to give people the benefit of the doubt by saying like, I had something to do with this. Like I am the reason the client didn't transact with me. Like stop looking to other people to blame. And I, that to me was kind of a, a game changer. Yeah. There's uh, there's a similar, um, Darren Hardy, who you may have heard of as well. He's, he's a, a real estate guy originally. Um, he talks about responsibility as well. And he says, who's, you know, if, it, if you're in a relationship, um, what's the percentage of responsibility for a relationship? And of course, most people say 50-50. 50, yeah. And, and he says, no, it's 100%. It's 100. You are 100% responsible for that relationship. Don't tell my husband that. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to think it's 50-50. <laughs> right. At least. No, but you're right. You're right, right? Like, you really have to look at yourself. And, and oftentimes with the content journey, people will say, you know, I, I'm not getting any followers. I'm not getting any comments. I'm not getting any engagement. And then and I ask them like, well, how much work have you put into it? Oh, I probably put like one hour over the last month. I'm like, well, you're getting one hour's worth of results. Like you, you're getting the work that you put into. Um, I, I think it's always a good check to kind of say, if I recorded everything I did in a day, like everything I did and the amount of hours, and I did that over the course of a couple of weeks and I looked back, would I pay myself a million dollars for that type of work? And if your answer is like, like I wouldn't pay someone else a million dollars to do that because that's not worth a million dollars, then stop expecting that you're going to have a million dollars worth of results. You have to put the work in there and there's nothing I can do. There's no app. There is nothing special about it. It's uh, unfortunately the work. But the good thing about that is that that's 100% in your control. And so you can change that at any time. The problem comes is when people say, well, I have this going on in my life and this going on in my life. Everyone has lots of things going on in their life. So it's about maybe finding those hacks to kind of help you free up some time or understanding that that's just the area you are today in your life and that ebbs and flows as well. So maybe it's, you know, two more years when your kids are a little bit older. So don't be so hard on yourself. Also, like understand that these things kind of take time and you're going to grow. And um, you can maybe hack away at it a little bit more in a couple of years when you're in a different stage of your life. Right. You mentioned hacks. Uh, do you have a, a current tool or resource that you're enjoying using? Yeah, I, I use Habit Tracker as an app. Um, I, I read, you know, another great book is um, Atomic Habits by um, James Clear. J James Clear, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of like was like, okay, like these small little things, just doing it consistently. So my app track, did I get up at 5 a.m.? And I know it's like, why do you have to track that? Because I don't do it every day. So it's how close to 100% can I get to? Um, then I write, did I work out? And it doesn't matter how long my workout was. It doesn't matter if I like was flipping tires at the gym or if I just did like a very restorative yoga practice. Did I move my body? And so I just track that simply. Um, did I floss every day? You're like, you know, small little things like that, that you think, well, that's not that big a deal. But I went from flossing like once a month to now flossing continuously every day. And I think by tracking it, it kind of made me realize like I'm not doing as good a job as I thought I was. 
Um, and so now I've, you know, I've built up those habits over time. And so I think just having something that you're constantly looking at every single day and being accountable to yourself is, is a good tool. Yeah. He's, he's great. He has a great newsletter, weekly newsletter as well. And I get that newsletter. The coaching question. He always throws in a coaching question. And sometimes you look at it and you go, well, that's a you know, kind of fluffy question. But when you actually think about it, it's, it really does make you think. And then you think, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to do this or I need to do that. Yeah. Better. And look, I, I think in life, I mean, it's just my opinion, but not everyone has the answer. There's no like, you know, blue magic pill. That's like, this is the answer to everything. I think it's about like, being open-minded, reading, educating yourself, trying things and seeing what really works for you. Like I go to bed at nine o'clock and people at work make fun of me because they'll message me at 9.05 and then they'll write, oh, I guess Laura's in bed now. And it's like, well, what adult goes to bed at nine o'clock? I'm like, I do because I like to get up at five. That's what works for me. That's not me sitting here saying that anyone else has to do that. It's just what works for me. And so I think people just need to understand that like you got to listen to yourself, listen to your body, listen to your beliefs and your values, but also listen to your limiting beliefs and, and, and question a lot. I know it's exhausting. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, my brain, it's just always thinking. But I think that's also helped me grow. And it's helped me like not be set in my ways or the ways that my parents taught me to be like, I should question some of the things my parents taught me, not because they're bad, but just like, don't just take things at face value. And so I think the same goes for or things like a, a James Clear, um, where, you know, there's always a good nugget to take from everybody, I think, really. Mm -hmm. Very true. And do you have a favorite quote that inspires you or drives you? Or Yeah, my favorite quote, I don't even know who said it. I should probably find this out, is she believed she could, so she did. There's something about that. I think the power of the mind is so, so important. Um, I had an agent in my office the other day, and we were talking to him about, you know, doing... 15 deals between now and the end of the year. And he laughed and he said, no way. And I was like, well, certainly with that attitude, you're not going to get it done. You have to believe in yourself. Um, does that mean I believe in myself all the time? Certainly not. There's certainly times where I doubt myself. But underlying it all is I really believe that I'm on the right track. I really believe that I'm capable of X, Y, Z. And so again, it's, it's that confidence factor, right? And you it's hard to teach that. And I don't think people are necessarily, some people are more born with it. I think some people also have confidence in different stages of their lives. Um, but I think if you're constantly working on it, constantly telling yourself that you're capable of something, saying like, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to win, I'm going to do this. Um, I just find the results happen a little bit better because you kind of like will yourself to do it. That's always been my strategy and it's it's worked out well for me. And and what would be your advice to kind of to wrap up if uh, somebody's looking listening to this today and and say okay I'm 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 ready to do this, what are the first few things that you'd say? Okay, confidence sounds like one of them. Believing confidence believing. for sure, but I would say just get started. Like not on Monday, not let me think about it over the weekend, not oh this afternoon or let me take a nap. Do whatever it is that like you have a goal, so start working toward it right now. Stop waiting because waiting is usually excuses. It's, well, I have to write it down first or I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. You need to get momentum. You need to just be like doing stuff. And yeah, you might be wasting 70% of your time, but what you're going to find is there's like that 30% sweet spot and you're only going to know that by like actually getting started. 
And so I, I think people just wait too long. They wait for the perfect time. They wait for the perfect answer. They wait for the, oh, let me just, you know, um, get my life back on track before I can do it. It's like, no, there's, you're not going to sit at home and things start happening to you. You have to go out and actively be doing stuff. And that actually oddly gets things done a lot, lot faster, even though in the moment it feels like you're kind of like, like flailing around and you don't really have direction. But the direction comes out of like firing and then like then aiming and firing again and then aiming. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I, I think if I look back and say, you know, one of the things I really enjoy or I'm really have, you know, ended up being really successful, I I look at those and say, I'm I'm kicking myself because I should have started earlier. Every, every time. Even this, you know, even this podcast. I should have done this years ago because I love it. Yeah. So so it's uh yeah, it's very isn't good. that so frustrating? I see I hear that with uh investor clients all the time. I wish I bought a property sooner. And that's I understand that. I I wish I my gosh, I wish I quit my undergraduate degree because I went to school for science and like, what the hell did I do with that? But like, here we are. And so try not to dwell in it and say, okay, I can dwell about this and say, I lost my opportunity or I'm already 45 years old. So what's the point? You have so much time left. So it's like, you know, what's that saying? Like the best time to plant a tree was yesterday and the next best time to plant a tree is today. So just do it today. There's still time, there's still opportunity. And like I said, the the real talented people will always win out. Like most businesses that were around 40, 50 years ago don't even exist anymore today. Like there's not a lot of longevity. There's always opportunity to take market share from other people because people get complacent. Businesses get complacent. And for you, it's like, let me put the reps in. So when that opportunity does come, boom, you can like snatch it right from people. And I don't mean that in like a competitive, like, doggy dog like I think there's more than enough to go around but I do think you just need to be you just need to be starting so that like you're opened when when those opportunities come you can just kind of really really seize them great great point how can people find out more about you Laura probably the best way to like see my content journey would be to follow me on TikTok so that's at Laura Stewart T-O I think you'll get to kind of see what I'm up to on the real estate side as well as the content side uh, like I said, I'm on my journey there. Um, if you want any more information about my business and what we do at From the Ground Up Media, you can go to ftgumedia.com. Okay, wonderful. We'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you for today and and your insights. Uh, I'm hoping that the people listening are inspired enough to not just think about starting on Monday, but picking it up and doing something right now. It's Friday. You got hours left, right, Paul? Uh, exactly. <laughs> thank exactly. you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a fantastic day. You too. Excellent. That's wonderful.